So the th second thing that you will find out about me if you spend one second in my presence is I'm definitely not a Liverpool supporter. <laughs> Any Liverpool supporters here? Put down your hands. It was a... Congratulations. Uh, for those of you that don't follow football, there was a small match last night. Uh, and unfortunately, the best team ended up being second. Um, so obviously, I'm also a Chelsea supporter. Uh, I send greetings from the Linwood congregation, uh, where I lead with faithful elders, one of them being here, not just an elder, but also being part of staff, Rudo Ellis, sitting here in front, uh, the guy that's turning bold from bottom up. Um, as you would see if you see him a bit later. Uh, he is a Liverpool supporter. Um, shame. That's why we have him on staff. Um, yeah, a dear friend. Uh, he leads the congregation with me, as I said, and, and six other elders. Uh, so in my absence, which is a bit of a strange thing tonight, he would be standing in leading the congregation. So we are both here. And so we've left Linwood in the faithful hands of Marinus, who leads... Uh, I felt. So he's preaching there tonight. Uh, I also make apologies for Yaku. I think he's running, uh, or he has run, a race called Oxpecker. All right. So hopefully he's back safe with uh, Riet. Um, so yes, we are busy with a citywide sermon series which started last week. We preached about what is it that makes us as a citywide church, seven different congregations, one Twane church, every nation church, what is it that makes us one church? And so we started off last week and we said, what is the first thing? Who can remember? Oh. One God. Give that lady a chocolate. Congratulations. You can go and fetch a chocolate on me. We exist to honor God. And isn't it amazing to know that not just every nation, all the other God-fearing, Jesus-believing, Spirit-empowered churches in Pretoria. We all serve the same King. And so tonight I'm going to speak about the second thing that makes us one church, and that being we are all on the same mission. We all have one focus. And so what I want you to do before we start is put your hands here, remove your every nation cap, and put it next to you. And so when you hear the word tonight, I want you to be open to the Spirit speaking to you as a believer, not as somebody that is part of this family. Because we can make the mistake when I share this word, and as you heard, you will always hear, we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries. And the second thing we will tell you is, we make disciples, we raise leaders, and we plant churches. And so I don't want you to listen to the word and to receive the word tonight through those lenses. I want you to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to share with you tonight. So whom of you, before you put up your hands, I'm going to qualify it, have been on a mission before. But the type of mission where if you sign up, it is to your expense. You don't gain anything by it. If you think of, of typical war scenarios, uh, names like the Gettysburg uh, war that comes up, the Normandy landings, um, the battle of Midway. These were men and women that gave their lives for liberty, for freedom, and to establish justice. In some instances, it cost them their lives. So whom of you have been on a mission where it's cost you something to actually be there and be part of it? Time, money, Maybe a, a missions outreach. 
And so here's the thing. If we think of the Word of God and we study the Word of God and you are sitting here tonight and you are in a place where you say, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then I want to tell you tonight that you have been commissioned. You have been ordained to be part of the King of Kings mission. You have been called to be part of His mission. And so we're going to look at that mission tonight. Four characteristics from the scripture that we're going to read. What does it mean when Jesus looks you in the eyes and he says to you, Gerard, you are called into mission. You are called to sign up. You are called to step up. What does it mean and what does it entail? I want you to open your Bibles with me as we read together from Acts, Acts chapter 5. Now let me just give you some context, some background. This is literally a few weeks after the Holy Spirit met and was filled and filled the, the apostles and the disciples and the believers in the upper room. And we saw after that event, Peter stood up, preached the very first sermon, and many were at it. And then a few weeks later, we see how Peter and John goes to the temple to share the gospel, and they get arrested. And they were brought before the high priest uh, and the Sadducees, all the leaders of the leaders in their community. And so in that moment when they are on trial before the high priest, uh, he physically tells them the following, you are not allowed to ever again speak or preach or teach in this name. Guess what? A few weeks later, we end up in chapter 5. Verse 17, but the high priest rose up, same guy that spoke to them previously, and all who were with him, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Why? Because they were busy preaching and teaching the gospel. They did not listen. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Some of the translations would say new life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one in sight. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And some came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you, have you heard this before? Not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, 
whom you killed by hanging him on a tree, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Four things that we see about this mission. First being the commission. Who's commissioned this mission? We're going to look at that. Second thing is opposition. Third thing being perseverance. And the last of the four that we will focus on tonight is fruitfulness. Commission, opposition, perseverance, and fruitfulness. So when you think of this mission, I want to start off with the first one being we are commissioned. Verse 19, it says the following, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. This is the first of three accounts where you will see a miraculous escape out of jail in the book of Acts. Chapter 5, the one we just read, chapter 12 and chapter 16. And so what you need to realize is once something is repeated in the, in the Word, in the Bible, a word is repeated or an event is repeated, we need to take note. There is something to be learned. So what would you do if somebody helped you to escape from jail? Think of that quickly. What would you do if somebody helped you to get out of an unfair, unjust system that is trying to bring you harm? Like, for instance, a work environment. What would you do? I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Passport is ready. I'm out of here. Is that what you would do? You see, here's the thing. When we hear the word prison, we think of a physical prison. And I don't want you to raise your hand if you've ever been there. But it also reflects and points to an emotional prison, a spiritual prison, and in some instances a physical prison. Maybe it's your health that has brought you in a place where you need God to show up. You need a miracle as you are sitting here. Or maybe in that instance, you needed a miracle. Maybe it's financial breakthrough. I don't know what the situation would have been, but you needed a miracle. Maybe some of you are sitting here tonight, and you need that miracle tonight. During this week, um, as, a, as a Linwood family, we got the sad news of one of our eldest wives being diagnosed with cancer. Um, she's been operated on, and so they will start with chemo shortly. At this point, they need a miracle. And so what I want to tell you tonight, doesn't matter if you've experienced it previously, who was part of lockdown, we have all experienced this. Emotional, whatever it might have been. Lost your job, salary being cut, business drying up. We have all been in that place. More so... Without Jesus, you were in a prison, slave to sin. And when you met Jesus and you looked into his eyes and you accepted him as Lord and Savior, he set you free. You need to understand that. And so Jesus is in the business 
of jailbreaks. Let me repeat that. Because I see a few eyes going like this. Jesus is in the business of jailbreaks. I have come, he says, to set the captives free. And so if you're sitting here tonight, and that is you, you really need God to set you free. And I want to say to you, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, is waiting for you. He is standing with open arms, wanting to set you free. And we're going to create a time at the end where we're going to physically pray for one another. But here's the thing about being set free. If we go back to that scripture, it says, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors. The word angel means messenger. So this is a messenger of the Lord. And so it's the Lord who sent the angel to set them free. But then further, the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out, listen to this, and said, go, where? Not take your passport and run. Flee. Go back to the temple where you were arrested earlier today and continue with the mission I have called you to. Second time we read these words, go. First time being Jesus on the mountain before he left his disciples, he said, go into all the nations. Go. Early the next morning, they are set free in the evening. Early the next morning, they return to the temple. Not two days later, not a month of recovering and praying and fasting about whether this is from the Lord. The very next morning, they did not lose sleep over this. They went back. And as we read further on, they get arrested again in the same place for doing the same thing. And so what we need to understand about the apostles is they understood what true freedom means. It means knowing and doing the will of God. You have all been set free in Christ. But the difference is what we need to ask ourselves. What are you doing with that freedom? What are you doing with that freedom? You see, when we look at the commission to go and make disciples, we need to understand whom it is that is giving this commission. So the first characteristic of being on his mission is he is the commander and chief. And he has set us free for a greater purpose, for a higher calling than living for self. It will cost you something to be part of this mission. But it cost him his life for your freedom. Will you be part of this mission? Second thing we see about this mission is you will definitely, you will definitely say to the person sitting next to you, and if you're alone, say it to yourself, you will definitely, go for it, experience opposition. What does it mean? It will be tough. Let us read. Then the captain with the officers went, this is the second time, and brought them but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. 
And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. They were arrested. This is the third time. And guess what? If you study the word further, they will be arrested again and again. Not only were they arrested, they were put on trial. In verse 40, before they set them free, all of the apostles were whipped, 39 lashes. In John 17, before Jesus is arrested, we find them in the upper room with his disciples. He has finished his last teaching to them, and then he prays over them. And go and study that chapter. What an amazing prayer. This is not the prayer of the Lord where Jesus teaches them how to pray. No, no, Jesus is praying for them. And in that chapter it says, and for those who will come to faith due to their walking and sharing. And he prays the following, Father, they are not of this world, but I pray that you will keep them safe because in this world they will have it tough. They are not from this world, but I pray that you will keep them because in this world they will experience trials and tribulations. You see, South Africa, if we have to look at South Africa and we think about Russia, we don't have to fear sitting here tonight. Yes? Why not? Because we are not in opposition to Russia. And you've got different opinions about that. But we are safe against any attack from Russia because we are not seen to be in opposition to Russia. And similarly, what we need to understand about this mission is the devil is not worried about you or is spending time, wasting time, thinking about you if you are not part of this mission because he's not seeing you as being part of the opposition. But the moment you step into this mission, his attention and his intentions changes immediately. Because in that moment, when you put on that badge, I'm part of the mission. I'm part of establishing kingdom. I'm part of seeking and saving lost. You are in direct opposition. And so that is why the word says, our struggles are not against flesh and blood. And so don't think that you are doing something wrong when you are experiencing this. I've said many a times to people, if your life is all just smooth sailing, then maybe you need to pause and think whom it is that you are worshiping and following. Because if you study the word and you are following Jesus, you will experience opposition. The commander the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, is the one that is calling you tonight into his mission. But with that, you need to understand that as he did, you will also face opposition. You will also face opposition. And so as believers, that is why we need to come together collectively to help one another, to strengthen one another in prayer, to lift up a brother and sister, to help one another persevere, which is the third thing we see about mission. Let me read that for you quickly. Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God 
rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. Now let me try and explain to you why this is such a key verse for perseverance. I'm one of those foolish people that the book of Proverbs speaks about. Those that run when nothing is, ch uh, is chasing them. And so in 2004, I finished what I believed was my last comrades, being my fifth comrades, never to return again. It was a tough day. Mentally, it was the toughest of the four comrades or the five that I've, I've tried to run and complete. Reason being is on the day, no communication prior to race day. As we started going, first water point, instead of Coke, we found Pepsi. So if you are an ultra-marathon runner or any ultra-distance athlete, first thing they will tell you is never change your diet on race day. And so for 90 kilometers, instead of Coke, and it sounds stupid, we had Pepsi. In the middle of the winter, second thing, it was 34 degrees. This was a very, very hot, humid day in Durban, on our way from Durban to Maritzburg. And so with an hour to go, more than half of the field was still out on the road. First time ever this has happened in Comrades. At the end of the day, the biggest percentage ever in the history ended up in the medical tent. I went up with about, uh, I think it's between 10 and 8 kilometers to go, I went up a hill called Polish Shorts. Now, on a normal day, it's just a normal hill. But where they've positioned this in the comrades, it looks like Everest. And so with this terrible experience, finishing comrades, literally, listen to this, with a minute to spare. I said, that is it. Got back to the hotel. As we parked, I took my running shoes and I gave it to the security guard. Just to make sure that I will never return again. And then one of our friends, lady friend, fell ill with breast cancer. And during the next two years, we saw how she lost the battle and passed away. And so in 2016, I really had this urge to do something. Because I saw what she went through, what her husband went through, what her family experienced. Financial costs and everything that goes with an illness like that. And so I decided to return in 2016 and run my six comrades but doing it for pink drive, not for self. It will cost me something. But I struggled with all those negative images, experiences of 2014. And so I went and saw a psychologist, a sports psychologist. At that stage, I was working at the High Performance Center, Olympic Training Center at the University of Pretoria. And so obviously a colleague walked in and I said, I need help. I know what it takes to finish, but these negative Feelings creates fear, and it makes it difficult for me to train. And so this psychologist helped me to find two things to focus on during the race. Not the things that is obvious that you will experience. And believe me, you experience funny things. In 2014, I saw my uncle on the road running with me. And so it might sound, what is this? My uncle passed away 20 years prior to 2014. I experienced weird things. No, I'm joking. I did not see ghosts. 
But instead of being busy the whole time with the negative things and trying to overcome the negative things, he helped me to say, Donnie, find two things. And during our journey, I found two things. So when it got tough, I weren't busy with the obvious things. I focused on these two things. And so back to this verse. When Peter says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The apostles understood two things. When Peter said these words, they understood two things about persevering. They understood whom it was that commissioned them. So when they were arrested, when they were whipped, they understood whom it was that commissioned them. And they focused on this. Second thing is, they understood what he accomplished. Whom it was that commissioned them, And what he accomplished. God has commissioned us. Do you understand what it means? When I say to you, him that is keeping the earth and the universe in the palm of his hands. That has measured all the mountains that we can see on earth in the palm of his hand. Him that gives breath to those that are opposing you. It is Him that is standing in front of you tonight and that is calling you into His mission. This the apostles understood. And they also understood that He conquered death. And so whatever they faced were temporary on this planet of earth. All the opposition, all the trials, all the tribulations had an expiry date. But here's the thing, without Him, The expiry date for trials and tribulations is eternity. And so they understood what they found in him and what he conquered. And which is why they could persevere. He commissioned. Because of his commission, we will face opposition. But in him, whom he is, what he has done, what he has conquered, what he has set in place, we find peace to persevere and to be fruitful, which is the last of the four characteristics of a mission. We strictly, listen to this, this is the high priest speaking, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Funny that he is not even willing to use the name of Jesus. We charge you not to teach in this name. But listen to this, yet Here you have filled Jerusalem with your testimony. What an amazing testimony to receive from somebody. Imagine, I know your business, you're photographers. Imagine somebody walks around saying, your photography business has filled 20 with awe. What an amazing accomplishment. That would be. Here he is thinking that he is really gunning them, but he's actually giving them the greatest compliment somebody can give you. You have filled every home, every shop, every street corner, every temple with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What started off with a small group of believers in weeks, in weeks, grew to a place where even the opposition had to acknowledge what this gospel has achieved. 
And so here's the question. How many churches, Bible-believing churches, do we have in Tswane? Many. What will it take to see Tswane filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What will it take to see Gauteng filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What will it take to see South Africa and Africa filled with the gospel? Let me not ask why we are not there yet. Let me rather ask, what will it take? It will take the body of Christ. It will take the body of Christ seeking and living to honor God by being part of His mission. What will it take to see 20 filled with the gospel? It will take this body and let me just emphasize this. We are one body with different parts. So collectively and individually, it will take us to be in a place where everything we do and everything we live for is to bring Him honor by being fruitful. Jesus says that the following in John 15 verse 8, He says, And this is to my Father's glory. The verse is up there. This is to my Father's honor. It's the same word in Greek. This brings my Father honor that you are fruitful, proving to be my disciples. I'm going to take away that chocolate. You got that one wrong. <laughs> this is to my Father's glory. This brings Him honor when you are being fruitful, proving to be his disciple. I want to end off with this. Do you understand whom it is that is standing in front of you tonight that is commissioning you into his mission? Do you understand what it cost him For you to be in a place tonight where you are free. Maybe experiencing different things, but freedom in knowing that you will be with Him for eternity. Do you know that Jesus signed up for this mission first by becoming man and living the life that you and I should have lived Dying the death that you and I should have died. He was the first one on this mission. And by doing so, creating an environment of freedom that we can celebrate tonight. And so when He is calling you tonight, it is not from a place where He doesn't know what it costs. It cost Him His life. And more so, it cost him a time of being totally removed from the Father so that you and I will never have to experience that. That desolate, empty space without the knowledge of a heavenly Father being there for you. And so I want you to close your eyes. 
What are you doing with the freedom that you have found and that you have received in the name above all names? You see, in this piece, in this chapter, one of the Pharisees, the Pharisee of Pharisees, Gamaliel, makes the, 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 the mention of the following. When the high priest wanted to kill the apostles, he says, don't do them any harm. Because if this movement is of man, it will die on its own. But if this movement is of God, no man will be able to stop it. Even more so, those that try to stop it will find themselves in a place where they are actually opposing the living God. And so here we are 2,000 years later. And this movement, this new life has not died. It is growing. And so you're either part of it or you are opposing it. Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that you will minister to people. Don't you just want to respond to the word tonight? Just in prayer. Maybe you just need to repent. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you just need to be strengthened. Maybe you're tired of, of being out there and you just need to be, just be refilled again with boldness, with zeal. I can allow you just a few seconds just for you to spend some time in the Father's presence. create some time for those of you that as I shared about the prison some of you might be in that place tonight and this is family and what we need to understand about church is you don't have to hide where you find yourself God has called you into family and it's in family that we care for one another that we carry one another that we lift up one another that we minister onto one another so if that is you tonight you find yourself in a place if you just need a miracle don't you just want to stand up and I'm asking you to stand because I want people to go to you and pray with you and we're going to stand with you by faith tonight if that is you why don't you just stand you just really need God to come through for you maybe it's in a business financially 
Maybe it's health-wise. Maybe it's emotionally. Would you just stand? Thank you. Can we go and stand with her? Somebody, just some of the ladies sitting there, can you go and stand with her? Is there somebody else? As we started with worship and during worship, I just felt there's a lady here specifically that you walked in here tonight and in your heart of hearts, you are crying out to Lord, God, do you really see me? Do you really see me? And so if that is you, I want to say to you tonight, God sees you. And more than that, He is crying out to you with open arms, wanting to embrace you tonight. You can pray for it. Don't wait for me. I want to pray for our business owners. Any business owners here? Business owners? Whilst they pray, there's a business owner. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you that we can speak a blessing over these businesses. Father, we know what the world says and we see what is happening in the economy. We see what is happening worldwide. Father, I pray for these businesses. I pray for wisdom. I pray for, for just supernatural wisdom to make the right business decisions. To see things from your perspective. Pray, Father, that you will show them things that, that they did not see before. I pray for business. I pray for clients. I pray, Father, that you will bless these businesses to be a blessing upon your kingdom. Father, thank you that I can also pray with that lady that is sitting here tonight feeling just removed, isolated from you. And as a father of two daughters, thank you that I can pray over her now and I pray you being the perfect father, will you embrace her now? Will you tangibly just show yourself in a loving way to her now? Thank you that I can pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.